Brenda Lane, an Underpinnings podcast, is recorded at our venue sponsor, Frederick and Kimberly's Aveda Salon in St. Joseph, and presented by Meister Witkowski Photography in Stevensville, and sponsored by Full Circle Cafe and Espresso Bar in Stevensville, now open until 8 on Monday nights. Hey, it's Brenda Lane. Question, who's one of the most passionate wedding photographers in the area, having photographed over 650 weddings and literally written not one, but two books on bridal photography and beauty? Who went from camera assistant at her professional photographer parents' knees as a child to chief photographer and now owner of the business? If you said Amy Witkowski of Meister Witkowski Photography in Stevensville, you're right. And that experience makes her ultra qualified for senior, baby, family, special occasion, corporate, product, and website photos as well. That's why Amy was my choice for my son's newborn pictures 19 years ago and just recently for Underpinnings Marketing. You can trust Amy Witkowski with your photo legacy. I did. Meister Witkowski Photography, Stevensville. Visit MeisterWitkowskiPhoto.com. Welcome to Brenda Lane, an Underpinnings Podcast. I'm Brenda Lane, and today I'm going to be talking with Kelly Connell, who is a wedding officiant. I'll also be talking with Megan Goodrich, who is the founder of One Month at a Time, and probably back around to Kelly, who is also a sexuality educator. Uh, welcome, and thank you for both coming in today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you yeah, for having me. Glad to have you here today. Kelly, I'm going to start with you because I know that as a destination wedding location and destination weddings are becoming very popular, you are a wedding officiant. Tell me the yeah. story of how you decided to become a wedding officiant and then how you've been doing over the last few years as you have been officiating weddings in Southwest Michigan. Well, I kind of started as a lark in 2013 where a friend's son was getting married and I was going to officiate the wedding as my gift to them. Uh, that didn't end up happening, but uh, I didn't do anything with it. And then about a year later, people started Googling wedding officiant Southwestern Lower Michigan, and they found me. And it just sort of took off. And this is my sixth year going into my sixth wedding season officiating weddings. I can't believe it's been six years already. I can't either. Yeah. Kelly's actually been a friend of mine for some time. I actually met her, you know, doing interviews yes. and learned a lot from you about uh, some of your sex education topics, which we'll get into that in, in a little bit. Um, so tell me about the Southwest Michigan weddings as Southwest Michigan has become such a popular spot for destination weddings. Are you mostly working with people that are local or coming in from out of town? Both. I have found a lot of people from Chicago come up to Southwestern Lower Michigan because the cost for a big wedding is about half what it is in Chicago. And they also like the idea of getting married in one of the barns and or the beach. And so we get a lot of people coming from out of town. I also had someone from Kentucky come up and do a wedding here in uh, St. Joe. And then I also do uh, Northern Indiana. And so I get a lot of local people and I get a lot of people that come in from other places in the country or other parts of the state. Where are some of the most unique places that you have officiated weddings? Oh, well, Henderson Castle in Kalamazoo is absolutely beautiful. I'd always wanted to see it. I was so glad when I got my first wedding booked there. Um, all over the beach, uh, every beach you can imagine in this area, uh, people's homes, uh, the library courtyard in St. Joe, oh. 
Um, that is room, beautiful. Rooms in restaurants, all of the barns, the blue dress barn. Um, the wedding venue barns. Are the wedding Those venues. have sprung up like crazy yes, around here. Yes, they have. And they're just, you know, Homestead 1835 in New Carlisle is beautiful. Uh, there's a stone barn up by Kalamazoo that's absolutely beautiful. It's really interesting, you know, because people can just find a room somewhere and take that small space and make it absolutely beautiful. True. And are you also finding that people are still, there are still people wanting the more traditional, you know, in a church kind of wedding? Yes. And usually if they go that route, then they they're have, using the pastor. Oh, they're using the clergy person there. I mm -hmm. have, I did do a wedding at Morris Chapel in Niles because you have to bring in your own person. And that's just beautiful. It is beautiful. The Heritage Center here in St. Joe is beautiful as well. Mm -hmm. uh, the gardens down by Chapin Mansion in South Bend are beautiful. It, it, there's just so many amazing venues. It seems like brides and, and grooms are wanting to get really, really personal with their preferences for their locations to get married. Yes, it, they do. Uh, they want something that reflects them, them, you know, what they want. Tells their story. Tells their story. You know, that's why when I work with couples, I always want it to be about their personal tastes and traditions, what's meaningful to them. Uh, they're really getting away from sort of the scripted traditional stuff that you would find in a church, but they want something more than the fill in your name in the blank script that you get at the courthouse. Mm -hmm. Earlier in the month, I actually did a program specifically, a podcast specifically about wedding trends for 2020, as this, you know, is such a popular wedding destination location in yes. Southwest Michigan. Are, are there any trends in officiating or vows or locations that you're seeing is kind of new for this year or something that you see that's trending? Well, well, for 2020? I'm just getting started for 2020. Um, I've seen some really cool things like a year or so ago, the trend was donut cakes, donut towers instead of a cake. Really? Yes. I heard about the I heard about the cupcake. Cupcakes are big. For Can weddings. Candy bar, you know, the big bar with all the different kinds of candy. Oh, yeah. Um, late night snacks, coffee bars. Uh, you know, a lot of times people do want to write their own vows. A lot of times they want something non-traditional. Uh, if they're blending families, they want to incorporate their kids into the ceremony. Oh, That's kind of a big thing. How many of the weddings, percentage-wise, would you say are brides and grooms wanting to write their own vows and this, or saying to you, just do your normal thing? Uh, probably about 20% want to write their own vows. Really? I thought I that would have been higher. Well, it's getting there. A lot of times couples will be like, well, we thought about writing our own vows, but we don't think we could get through it. Oh, so too emotional. On they'd rather day. repeat after me. Yeah. And uh, I give, I have a whole bunch of samples that I give. Okay. And let so you have some pick. choices. You have a lot of choices. And it's not just brides and grooms. It's brides and brides and grooms and grooms as well. I'm glad you brought that up because actually since I have known you for a while mm -hmm. and I actually uh, knew you at the time that you became a wedding officiant, I do remember that that was one of the things that you were taking into consideration was the number of people that you knew personally mm -hmm. who were getting married and having a tough time finding someone who was willing to officiate a same-sex marriage. Yes. And I started doing them as soon as it uh, became legal, when it became legal in Indiana, and then when the Supreme Court decision legalized it in the country. Mm -hmm. uh, the first, one of the first ones I did were two women in Niles that had been together for 43 years. <coughs> wow. Beautiful story. And they actually got married on their anniversary. So oh. on their seventh wedding anniversary, that will be their 50th year oh. together. And, uh, you know, I've done some of uh, several 
uh, same gender weddings. I have no problem with it. You mm-hmm. know, everybody has the right to be married. Everybody gets the wedding that they want. Everybody gets to hear the words they want on their wedding day. Kelly, there may be some people that are listening are already thinking, all right, how do I get in touch with her? Because I'm really interested. How, how would you prefer people to contact you if they're interested in officiating? Well, they can go through my Facebook page, which is Weddings by Kelly 2014, uh, and send me a message through there. Or they can email me at connell.kelly at gmail.com. Uh, and I'm also on Gig Salad. Uh, but my Facebook page is probably the best way to get in touch with me. Mm-hmm. And as far as rates, are rates basically pretty much the same? Do they do they vary a lot by officiant? They tend to vary a lot by officiant. Some officiants charge mileage, charge more for extras and everything. But I just do a flat fee okay? because it's, it's just too crazy busy and I don't want to mess around with calculating a bunch of stuff. So it's a flat fee depending on whether you need a rehearsal or you don't need a rehearsal or if it's a simple elopement. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what is the general... Uh, I guess, geographic circle that you kind of try to stay within? I try to stay within 90 miles from where I live. which So that's up to Kalamazoo, over to the west, southwestern lower Michigan, and then down in Indiana, over to Maryville, and over to uh, Syracuse, Napanee, Middlebury, those areas. Okay, very good. Um, I'm sure that you have some interesting stories that you could tell uh, about your experiences officiating without mentioning any names or embarrassing anybody. Oh, could yeah. you tell us a, a story or two that might uh, curl up the corners of our, you know, of our mouths? Oh, well, I had a groomsman faint once during a ceremony. <gasps> yeah. And it was at an amphitheater and uh, it was stone and the echo sound from the amphitheater. I really thought that he cracked his skull open. <gasps> Um, so you obviously had I to stopped stop. the wedding. Yeah, I could see I was looking at the bride and groom and I could see the photographer drop his camera and go running. And the time it took me to turn his head, I saw him hit the ground. And so I stopped the wedding and one of the bridesmaids was a paramedic. And she came over and he, had, you know, he'd been drinking and he'd been standing directly under the sun oh. and he went down like a sack of cement and he was really embarrassed and he didn't want to go to the reception because he said everybody would be teasing him. And I said, well, you got to go. And you're going to have to suck it up, and, you know. Um, well, so they'll that have a funny. great story. You know, yeah. when at the time that it happens, you probably go, oh, I can't believe that happened. But they'll have a wonderful story to tell. Their, That's when I said the rest they'll of their have married a wonderful life. story to tell the rest of their married yeah. life. And uh, it could have been a lot worse. Luckily, he didn't hit his head. He wasn't badly hurt. Um, I've had weddings where there have been a lot of, um, you know, most of the time people are on their best behavior and it's a wonderful positive day, but sometimes not. And I haven't had one get rained out that I know of. Really? Uh, I've had it where it rained in the morning, but then it stopped. Um, I've, you know, there, I'm glad to say there really hasn't been a huge disaster. I have had a couple show up with the wrong marriage license. So you actually have to check that out and make sure it's all Mm -hmm. legit. That's part of what you do as the wedding officiant. It's my responsibility to make sure all the legal requirements are met, that it's the right license from the right county, that I have to check their IDs. Uh, If there's witnesses, I have to check the witnesses' IDs. I have to file it with the court and all of that. And uh, she had the wrong license, (gasps) and there were 250 people sitting down out there, and she started shaking, and I'm like, you're getting married today. You're getting married today. There's 250 people out there. We're going to do the ceremony. And then... <gasps> so they just did it, but it wasn't they legal. They did it. It wasn't legal. And then two days later, we went to the right county and sort of shorthanded it and did it again. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was it was a little nerve-wracking, but uh you know, what else can you do? <laughs> you should keep a little notebook, like a little d- wedding diary and maybe write a book one day. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I bet you could tell some pretty fun stories. I there's I've done over 300 weddings and uh, you know, they've all been special in their own way. Um there were some really meaningful ones. I did one for a woman who was terminally ill and she was in hospice care and she just wanted to get married and she passed away four days after I did the ceremony. Wow. And, um, I did one, um, I've done them for when somebody is, uh, getting deployed into the military. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've done them for all ages. I've done senior couples. I've done a, I did one where the woman had previously been in an abusive marriage and when we talked, she said, I finally understand what it's like not to fear the sound of the garage door opening at the end of the day. Instead, I welcome it. Did she have that in her vows, actually? No. It's she just, just told you she that. She just told me this yeah. when we met to talk about the ceremony. Does anybody ever want you to do just the ceremony where it's not even an actual legal wedding? Well, yeah. Vow renewals. Yeah. Uh, things like that. Okay. Sure. Vow renewals, commitment ceremonies, um, legal weddings. I get requests for all, all of those. Kinds. And you still have openings for still have some openings. weekends I'm in book- 2020. I'm booking for 2020 right now. All right. Well, you know, I told you that Kelly is also uh, a sexuality educator, and we're going to come back and talk with Kelly about some of her experiences uh, in, in her primary educational field yes. in a few minutes. But first, I want to get to Megan. And uh, Megan Goodrich is here today, too. She is the founder of One Month at a Time. And Megan, I know you're a very young lady, but you actually had caused me to have uh, quite a paradigm shift in thinking about um uh, women's periods and menstrual cycles and supplies. Tell me your story of how you got started and how you started one month at a time. Well, um, uh, a couple of years ago, I was surfing on YouTube, as you do, and I came across a video um, focusing on how people who are homeless handle mm-hmm. menstruation and handle their cycles. And these women were using things like dirty socks and toilet paper formed into a tampon, um, all sorts of unsanitary items because they don't have the access to a product that should really be free because it's a health necessity. Um, And so in the back of my head, I kind of put it there and said, I want to do something about that one day, but I don't know what. And then throughout time and learning more about women's issues and stuff, last year I decided to have a women's event, which turned into one month at a time where we had gone out into the community, collected menstrual products and then um, brought them all in one area at the art center in Buchanan. We had distribution there for the products and we also had a doctor on hand to give different um, educational talks about the female cancers, about what's normal, what's not normal for menstrual cycles and endometriosis and PCOS because my reasoning is if you can't afford your menstrual products unless you have state insurance, you probably aren't going to the doctor. So mm-hmm. I wanted to provide a free way for people to educate themselves on their body as well. Now, menstrual products are not covered under insurance. Is that correct? Health insurance? Correct. They are yeah. not. Which I find that rather uh, confusing, really. It doesn't seem right to me. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> they but also it's... are not included under government assistance. So if you receive um, EBT card 
or um, I can't remember the other name for it now, but if you receive government assistance, you are not allowed to use it for that as well, mm-hmm. or any hygiene products, really. It's strictly for food unless you're under specific circumstances. Okay. Well, you know, in learning about your event that you did last year in Buchanan, uh, I, I did, like I said, I had a paradigm shift and it kind of opened my eyes because I really had never put myself in that place of someone who was homeless or low income enough that you couldn't afford the products. Uh, another category of people that you try to help are women who are incarcerated. Well, yes and no. I haven't done anything. I haven't worked with any prison systems yet. It's mm-hmm. something that I want to work my But it's my a point that towards. you make. Yeah, yeah. The point is that homeless people... Um, people who are incarcerated, low-income individuals, um, girls at schools, those are all the people being affected by tampons and pads not being free Mm -hmm. or any other way to access them. We're going to take a quick break here, Megan. We'll come back in just a moment. We'll talk more with Megan Goodrich, founder of One Month at a Time, when we come back. Simply stepping inside Frederick and Kimberly's Aveda Salon will have you falling in love with the proprietary scents of Aveda products for hair, skin, and aromatherapy. Aveda products are environmentally friendly, and millions already trust Aveda with their hair. Now try Aveda for the body and experience your favorite scent from head to toe. In March, buy two, get one Aveda body care product free, including the Champure, Cherry Almond, Beautifying Rosemary Mint, and Stress Fix Lines. Frederick and Kimberly's Aveda Salon with Aveda products Monday through Saturday. Salon and spa services by appointment Monday through Friday. Corner of Palmer and Red Arrow Highway, South St. Joseph. Visit frederickandkimberleys.com. That's Frederick with a C. I'm Brenda Lane, and we continue now with our second half. And today I'm with Kelly Connell, who is a wedding officiant and also a sexuality educator. Megan Goodrich is here as well. She is the founder of One Month at a Time. And Megan, we were just talking about your event in Buchanan that you had last year um, and all the things that you did there, um, providing education and also collecting materials to help people who are homeless and lower income to provide their, their materials that they need for their menstruation cycles. Since then, you have really stayed with this. You're passionate about this. And I think you're becoming known in the area for being a spokesperson really for this particular topic. How did this event uh, basically inspire you to continue this as a a, a passion project? Well, thank you for saying that. Um, The event was supposed to be a one-time thing. I'm always doing different things and I'm bouncing back and forth between something else. You are, I'll tell you, Megan is a young lady who's very accomplished. Uh, <laughs> you're, a, you're a student, you are, uh, you're working the health field, you also are in the uh, local community theater um, population, I shouldn't say population, but group. <laughs> what are some other things that you do? You, you love Broadway and, and musicals and singing. What else are some of the things you do? I know you're very active. Well, actually, since we last talked, I've become a little less active because that was a very busy year. And after everything I had done, I didn't do anything for about three months. Okay. Because so, <laughs> you've been focusing on one month at a time. I had been focusing on one month at a time. I'd been focusing on theater. I'd been focusing on school, all kinds of stuff. So I yeah. took a break. Um, so now I'm still working in the health field. I recently got my CNA. Yay. Uh, yes. Thank you. Um, 
And yeah, I have really stuck with one month at a time. I've had lots of passions throughout my life. That's one of the reasons I'm so indecisive is because I want to learn about and take care of everything. But this is the one thing that I have really consistently been interested in. I don't in. think you're indecisive. You've just been had your fingers in a lot of things and trying to figure out what's your niche, right? Yeah, I guess that's a better way to put it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're indecisive at all. Well, I think you're a pretty powerful young lady. Well, thank you. So what has what is currently happening with One Month at a Time? I know I follow you on social media platforms. You even have a, a group uh, that you communicate with on Messenger because I'm in the group. Yes, you are. <laughs> yeah. So what are some of the things that you're doing? Um, so I have a couple of talks coming up. So I recently got into a female entrepreneurship mentorship program um, through Cindy Cohen and the Health Women's Initiative. And that's been really helpful to me. It's offered me a lot of resources and a lot of uh, support. And so through that, I've created a structural mission statement and vision and purpose. And I have a clear vision now of what my program is focusing on, uh, which is mainly educating people on their bodies, um, helping them feel comfortable in them, and co continuously collecting and donating products. And one thing I want to do is kind of have a different target audience every year. So like last year was the very first time I did this. I was just kind of like, come one, come all. Yeah. And this year I'm kind of focusing more on students. Okay. So young people. Yeah. So yeah. that's the focus right now. And so usually when you do think about students, you are thinking about people who never have enough money for all their needs, right? Right, right. <laughs> My son is one of them, so I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they don't have funds unless they have a job. And even oftentimes when they have a job, they might be supporting their family as well with their parents. Um, a lot of schools charge 50 cents or a quarter or however much for their products or the dispensers are empty. Um, and Or they may just not be, be comfortable asking the nurse or the receptionist in the office that they don't know if they can have a tampon or a pad. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're 12 years old and you just started your period at school, you know, you don't know who you're going to talk to. You're just focusing on, uh, I have to figure out how to cover this blood and get back to school. So how are you going about collecting items now? Are you planning another event or are you just on, on an ongoing basis trying to communicate through social media platforms to get people to donate? Kind of kind of all three of those. Okay. Um, I have a permanent donation site at the Buchanan District Library. Okay. Um, I'm not sure where exactly they put the box because I just kind of dropped it off and had to go. But um, any of the staff there will know where it's at. And uh, there's a list of products that I accept on the box. I also have the products I accept on my Facebook page as well as my Instagram page on one of my posts. Um, and what was the other question? Oh, I just said, how are you, how are you going about collecting? Um... So, so you've got an actual location yeah. box in Buchanan, and yes. then people can contact you if they want to make donations. Do you accept cash donations, or are you just basically looking for the actual uh, products? I accept monetary and product donations. Okay. So people, if they want to donate product donations, they can take them to the Buchanan District Library, or they can contact me directly, or, excuse me. <laughs> we can edit that. Thank you. <laughs> Or they can give me um, cash donations. They can write me a check. I also use Cash App and Venmo as well. All right. Um, that's another format that people have been asking me to get. So I signed up for one and got a donation the other day. Nice. So now in 2020, you're focusing on students. Um, do you anticipate changing that then next year? Or you're going to wait and see how this goes and see if that just may be something that you keep doing? I'm going to see how it goes. Uh, I, liked, I would like to hit all of the target areas. I would like to hit students. Um, I'd low like income, to help low homeless. income, homeless, uh, inmates, okay. all of that. So like right now, um, 
this Wednesday, I have an educational talk on vaginal health for a seventh grade girls health class. Wonderful. Um, thank you. <laughs> that's good. I mean, that those kids need to hear that. Definitely. Yeah. And that was one of those things where that wouldn't have happened if I wasn't in that entrepreneurship group because one of the women who's also part of it is a teacher. And so we got together and she's like, I want you to talk to my students. So networking rules. It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't it? It really does. I, I wouldn't be here without networking. Um, and then uh, another thing I want to do for students is I really want to create summer packages. So I'm trying mm -hmm. to get in contact with the area schools right now and their um, health teachers and find out which schools have a need for students to have summer products um, that can't afford them any mm -hmm. any other time and get collections for that. Yeah, you know, I guess that's a good point. I said right away when you said students, I thought college. But really, you've got to talk all the way down to junior high as far as ages and even elementary, possibly, right? If they let me. <laughs> yeah. What are some of the what are some comments that you get from people when they find out what you're doing? Do you have people say, oh, you know, you, you're causing me to have some new insight? Or do people kind of look at you funny and look at you sideways? I've had a really good response. Have you? I thought that when I started talking about period poverty and menstrual health education in my small rural town that I would maybe get some negative responses, but everyone was more than welcoming. Mm -hmm. um, almost all the businesses that we asked were more than willing to have a donation Wonderful. site. And... Um, hey, maybe we're more woke here in Southwest Michigan than I thought. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe. So I, a lot of the things that have come since then have been, you know, because of people like you and Cindy and Kelly, you know, saying, oh, I really like what you're doing. You should talk to this person. I'll make that connection for you. Mm -hmm. So that's really the support I've received. I haven't had any negative response. And if I did, I would just try to politely educate them on why I feel what I'm doing is important. Well, I applaud you, Megan, and what you're doing. Kelly, I'm sure that you've probably been sitting there thinking, oh, I want to add something. You're actually working with Megan and helping her a little bit with her project. Is that right? I am, or yeah. I'm trying to. She's got yeah. a really good program coming up at the Buchanan library that I've been waiting for her to mention. Uh, oh, when go is ahead. that? It's what a couple in a couple weeks, right? On a Saturday? No, it's, it, it is, is Wednesday. Wednesday. It, Wednesday. What's the date? March 18th. Okay. From Very 6 good. to 7:30. All right. Very and good. I, I would encourage anybody to do that. Obviously, yeah, What's the what's it going to be about? Is it a collection meeting or is it does it have you a topic? You can bring donations. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, donations are always welcome. Anytime I'm talking, if you want to bring a product, I'm not going to turn it away. Yeah. Um, but so what I, are you going to talk about? Period poverty specifically. Okay. Um, what what the experience of it is in the U.S. Uh, we're a little bit behind some of the other um, more progressive countries. Really? Uh, yeah. If you look at U.K. and Europe, they're passing you know no taxes on products and they're getting all of them. Scotland just approve free menstrual products for everyone in Scotland. And in the U.S., we still have 34 states that are that have a tax on it. So I'm going to focus on period poverty, how it affects us, and how my program, One Month at a Time, is going to combat that in the Michiana area. Kelly, I saw the look on your face when I said to Megan, oh, well, these products are not covered by insurance. They're not, <laughs> and they're considered a luxury. They're yeah. not considered a necessity. And, for and low a income. lot of... Um, Jails and prisons, they, li they limit the number of uh, pads that they will give to a woman. Uh, like she has any control over how many she needs. That does not seem right to me. I well, feel like that should all be included under medical insurance and medical. They give you one. I, mean, I believe that they, you have to go and ask for one at a time. They don't give you more than one at a time because, you know, and they won't. I wanted to do a study with menstrual cups in prisons because prisons talk about how much it costs for menstrual supplies for inmates. But a menstrual cup is something that's reusable. But 
it's hard to get them to do it because they think that a woman will put contraband in it and that opens a whole new can of worms but it would be something that would be more cost effective and i know that in a lot of areas in southwestern lower michigan and northern indiana there are a lot of high school students that don't have the money for their supplies a lot of times the teachers will put something in the locker room and it's the one more thing that teachers are paying for out of their own Pockets. pockets and you know it shouldn't be that way. Why do you think that this isn't something that's covered under medical and why it isn't looked at as a necessity? Do you have some thoughts on that or have you done because some research, people, either of you? Because the people who are in power making decisions are people who don't have periods. They're men. Yeah. I would love to see more men and uh, high school boys get involved in this and try to get products donated. And, you know, a lot of times when people talk about, think about their basic needs, you know, food, clothing, shelter, and, you know, they have food drives and everything. And that's great. That's definitely, you know, that's one of my big issues, but they don't think that this is something that women need. Nobody thinks, how does a homeless woman, woman deal with her period? How does she get supplies? How does she keep herself clean? How does she dispose of stuff? Or, you know, when you are, uh, a student and you are, live way out of town, how do you get into town during the summer to get your supplies? How are they available? Uh, what's in your budget? Because, you know, they're they're expensive. They add up. Yeah. And it's not like it's something that you can just start or stop if you want. I mean, Correct. it's going to happen regardless. All right, Megan? Correct. Right. And there's, I, a, there's a lot of high school students that are old schooling it and just wadding toilet, folding toilet paper up and putting it in their really? underwear. And, you know, it's it's sad because it's to me, it's part of human sexuality. You know, it's it's a normal bodily function that women have. And we need to normalize it. We need to deal with it. It's nothing to be ashamed of. A woman, a girl or a woman should never be ashamed of saying I'm on my period. I need pad we have this great sisterhood of women how many of us have been in a stall where you hey mm -hmm. you got anything in your yeah. purse to the next person over and it's like it's just part of the sisterhood oh yeah you know and you pass it under the stall because we've all been there well really i feel like it's kind of a, a form of discrimination against women mm -hmm. um you know because men don't have to worry about it only right. women do Correct. And if you don't have the money for it, let's say you're a young young woman and let's say you are a college student, that's an expense that you have that the boys don't have. Correct. You know, and kids can't help the economic circumstances that their parents are right. in. Right. Exactly. And so it's like when you're talking about young people, you're also mm -hmm. punishing young people in a way for the economic situation of their, their parents. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah, anytime yes. women's health is brought up, there's always this stigma around it. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, educating women and boys on their bodies. It doesn't matter if it's a political issue or if it's a health issue. If the people in power are not understanding of that issue, then it takes a massive group of people to create change. Do you see yourself possibly sticking with this to the point where you're actually trying to make some legislative changes, Megan? I haven't thought that far out. Um, I I try to create a balance between politics. I know that there are a lot of um, companies, and not companies so much, but individuals who are very active in getting rid of the luxury tax, also known as the pink tax on uh, pads and tampons. Um, there's w one of the only national companies that combats period poverty and the legislative is actually called period.org. And that company has a lot of little chapters throughout the U.S. And they're very politically active. Me, myself, I'm much more of like an individual experience kind of person. So you I just want to go out and do something. Yeah, I gotcha. would rather go out and physically help someone versus 
having to deal with the stress of political uh, I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. <laughs> Especially these days, it seems like anything political can be stressful. Yeah. But tell me more about your event. You said it's the 19th of March? The 18th. 18th of March. Mm-hmm. And where and when again? So uh, there's two things, actually, that I want to say real fast. Okay. Um, the 18th of March at the Buchanan District Library from 6 to 730 is when I'll be giving a talk on period poverty in the U.S. and how one month at a time is combating that within the Michiana area. And then also, I will be at the Women's Expo on the 19th, which is at the Century Center in South Bend. All right. Um, I will have a huge collection box there. Um, people can bring a product or they can donate monetarily to my charity as a form of a ticket into the Women's Expo. Now, is that is is One Month at a Time now an actual nonprofit organization? We do not have a 501c3 status okay. yet. That is something I want to... Um, if it eventually get once I have the funds to do so. All right. Yeah. It costs a little bit of money to do that. Yeah. And how can people reach you uh, if they would like to make a donation or maybe would like you to come and speak to uh, a school group or a classroom? The best way would honestly be to call me. I'm one of okay. the few millennials who will talk on the phone. All right. Yeah. I was going to say that's <laughs> rare. Do you um, want to actually give your number? Yeah, that's fine. I probably won't answer at first because if I don't know, so just leave a voicemail. But the number is 269-487-6968. You can also look up One Month at a Time on Facebook. Uh, my email is M-E-G-A-N-N-G-O-O-D-R-I-C-H at gmail.com. And I also have an Instagram, which is at the number one and then month at a time. All right. Very good. Now, Kelly, we didn't get to talk a whole lot about your work as a sexuality educator, but we can certainly direct people to your podcast, which is Beyond the Birds and the Bees. Yes. And you can access that on social media platforms and also through your contacts, which are what? Uh, My email is connell.kelly at gmail.com. My Facebook page is Life as a Sex Educator. I'm on Twitter as Life Sex Educator, and I'm on Instagram as Life as a Sex Educator. All right. Very good. Thank you so much, Megan Goodrich, founder of One Month at a Time, and Kelly Connell, wedding officiant and sexuality educator. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. I'm Brenda Lane. This is Brenda Lane, an Underpinnings Podcast. Brenda Lane, an Underpinnings Podcast, is recorded at our venue sponsor, Frederick and Kimberly's Aveda Salon in St. Joseph, and presented by Meister Witkowski Photography in Stevensville, and sponsored by Full Circle Cafe and Espresso Bar in Stevensville, now open until 8 on Monday nights. For sponsorship information or to suggest a topic, you can contact us at underpinningsmarketing at gmail.com and follow Underpinnings Marketing on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Brenda Lane, an Underpinnings Podcast, is produced by Jack at underpinnings marketing and post weekly on Thursdays. Thank you for listening and share with your friends.